You're listening to Conversations, brought to you by TechSquare ATL. I'm sitting here with Jesse Maddox, a founder of Triplingo. Welcome, Jesse. Thank you, Scott. So formal. I mean, we, we know, know each other pretty well. We go so, way back. I don't know. So we'll just kick it here. Uh, and so Triplingo, what is it? What's Triplingo? So we make a uh, mobile app and travel technology to help international travelers deal with you know, all the things that come up when you go abroad that you don't have to deal with when you're traveling to Dallas, for instance. Um, so our mobile app, we, we sell it to companies and it helps their travelers. It translates their voice, gives them an interactive phrase book. Um, so it helps them sort of overcome language issues. There's cultural advice and other tools that you need when you're in a country and, and things are a little bit different. When did, when did this start? When, where, where did Triplingo come from? What's the origin story? The origin story was um, after college, I sort of was busy. I couldn't do study abroad. And so I felt like I'd missed out on that experience. So um, I had a company in college that sold textbooks. We ran it for a couple months after um, I graduated. We weren't going to make any money. We, we figured out. So we shut it down and I started looking for a job abroad just mm-hmm. to sort of fill in that experience gap that I thought I missed. And um, I ended up working for Caterpillar in Vietnam, got connected with the guy that ran that. And, you know, I was 20 two years old and I was in charge of marketing for Caterpillar in Vietnam. Wow. And it was, uh, it was great. You know, I got sort of got what I wanted out of it. Um, when I first got there, it was sort of immediately apparent that the language was going to be, you know, a pretty big issue for me. I'd been to Thailand. I thought that Vietnam was going to be like Thailand. So I showed up having never been there before and realized, you know, oh shit, like this is not like Thailand. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the big difference? Just, just the, the insularity of it or? You know, Thailand's a lot more developed, um, sort of built for tourists, whereas Vietnam, not many people spoke English, um, you know, much poorer country. Um, and uh, yeah, that was kind of the big issue. And, you know, when I got there, sort of immediately realized that was going to be an issue. I looked into like Rosetta Stone, like phrase books, um, you know, all these different tools that kind of existed, but they were all meant for people that wanted to become fluent. And uh and, they, you know, they also weren't that effective. So I ended up hiring two tutors that every day during my lunch period, I'd meet them at a local cafe and alternate each day. And, and basically, I was paying them to teach me Vietnamese. Mm. And I did that for, for nine months. And, um, yeah, you know, that experience is kind of what gave me some insights and, and really the, the original idea behind Triplingo. So, for instance, I wasn't just learning, you know, the formal way to say stuff. I wanted to talk like people actually talked. Mm-hmm. So I was having them teach me, you know, slang. Um you know, I was paying them, so I didn't have to go buy like the teacher's lesson book. You know, right. I was like, no, teach me how to talk to a taxi driver. Teach me how to order a beer. So it was really, you know, practical things that I was learning. And it's funny because when I was in high school, I hated languages. Mm. I mean, I've studied mm-hmm. French, Spanish, German, and Latin, and I hated all you of them. You went the entire cycle. Yeah, because I just I didn't like any of them. I kept on moving on to the next. And um, and Vietnamese, I mean, I, you know, it's not a particularly pretty language, but. I enjoyed studying it because I was actually, you know, learning something, going out and using it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a, another sort of big piece of it. And then, so you're doing you're doing that while living in Vietnam, while yeah. working uh, for Caterpillar, doing marketing there. Yeah, um, you, you started. You, you went to school at Brown. Is that right, Brown yeah. University, um, up in Rhode Island? And plantations. They always leave that. Why do they leave that off? Rhode Island and plantations. Is that right? the name of it? Yeah, that's the official name of the state. There you know. go. That's a trivia question. So there my you go. third grade self would have been really mad at me if he'd have found out I was going to college in Rhode Island. Really? I mean, we're, we're, you're not from Rhode Island? No, from uh, from South Carolina. South Carolina. To I just Rhode thought Island. my third grade self was like, oh, it's the smallest state. Like you don't want to be there. Uh, 
Actually, Rhode Island's okay. Providence was was okay. Brown was awesome. Um, was your twenty one year uh, self okay with that idea? Oh yeah. Good yeah. times. Yeah, my twenty two year old self was really sad to leave. Mm. Well, then, what brought you to Atlanta then? So, um, you know, kind of, I had all these thoughts surrounding what I was doing with the language, and and you know, sort of thinking about like how to make it more relevant for travelers who aren't trying to become fluent. And uh, you know, my kind of approach to thinking about ideas, right? You, get, you know, a lot of people have lots of ideas, and what I'll do is I'll think about it really intensely, you know, while I've got it, uh, maybe for a week or so, and then I just let it sit. Mm-hmm. And if it's still bothering me three or four weeks later, you know, however long later, that, that's when I start to really pay attention to it. And that's kind of what happened. It just kept on nagging me. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of like, um, <clears throat> you know, it ended up being like you almost have to do this mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I bought the domain triplingo.com. I just and it, you know, flash of inspiration like. That name came to me. Hmm. It was wait, available. Wait, what year was that? When? Uh, that was in 2010. 2010, wow. Um, maybe 2009, actually. So I... Um, you still abroad at the time? Yeah, I was still in Vietnam. Um, and I sort of started working on it just, you know, in the evenings. And uh, after a month or two of that, I was like, you know, this is this has really got legs, I think. Like, you know, I want to do this. Um, you know, it was kind of... I was not an easy person to replace over there. It wasn't like you just bring another American over to fill my shoes. So I gave them... Um, like four months notice and um, you know and sort of my plan was to move to India for six months flesh out the idea come back to the states um, and try to kick things off because I knew I needed to spend some more time really thinking about what it was <clears throat> um, you know what the market was how it was different from what was out there and then you know how was it going to make money mm-hmm. um, so yeah I moved to India I spent six months traveling around city to city I had like you a, really were filling that experience gap up you know going to Thailand and Vietnam and India. It was that. And, you know, I didn't have, I had like $3,000 saved. I needed to like make it last. And I was like, <laughs> you know, India is close. So I can get there for like a hundred bucks. I can live on a few dollars a day. And uh, that's what I did. And I had like a internet Wi-Fi stick. They were brand new in India at the time. So I could work from anywhere. So I spent six months, you know, building it out. And I came back sort of with a business plan. And my, my goal was to raise some money, hire a team, and then just get things going. Um, so I, uh, I also promised my mom that I'd come home for Christmas and seen her in two years. Hmm. And, Moms um, like that. Moms like boys do. coming back. They do. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I came back for Christmas. And a friend of mine um, introduced me to local investor, uh, Wait, Wait King. And I met him for lunch. And I brought this business plan. At this point, I had like, I don't know, $200. And I went to go print it out in color at Office Max. And it cost like $50. So I go sit down for lunch with Wait. And, you know, I have this business plan sitting out <clears throat> and I started talking to him and he's like, wait, it's just you and it's just an idea. And I was like, yeah. And he, I just remember him reaching over and he just slid the business plan away from him. Like he didn't even want to look at it. <laughs> I was like, you motherfucker. And like, that was like a third of my net worth right there. <laughs> um, but no, and he was like, you know, you should, um, look, no one's going to give you money unless you have a team. Like, you know, it's, um, it's kind of like the chicken and egg problem that you're like, well, I need money so I can get a team. And he's like, no, it doesn't, doesn't matter. You got to have a team before you can get money. So he told me about um, <clears throat> Startup Weekend uh, that was happening in Atlanta that he was going to be involved with somehow. It was happening in two weeks. And so I emailed the organizers of that and I said, you know, hey, want to come to this event? You know, that way I can meet some people that can help me build it. And they get back to me. And they said, sorry, uh, we're sold out. You should come next year. Oh, no. And I was like, I don't know if my $150 is going to last me until next year. I was like, I really got to go. So I emailed them um, three or four times that week with increasingly desperate messages. <laughs> and the last one said like, 
you know, I really want to come. Um, you know, I, I will, you know, I'll do whatever you want. Like I'll take registrations, I'll get coffee, I'll clean the toilets, like whatever is required, <laughs> let me come. And no response. And I met my dad that Wednesday for dinner and I kind of shamed him into getting me a smartphone. Um, and so anyways, that Friday comes around and, um, you know, they haven't gotten back to me and knowing what I know now, I just would have gone. Yeah, exactly. But I was, you know, I was like, all right. I'm just sitting here thinking in this hysterics of, uh, of how you're thinking it's such a formal process, but it was just like, if you, yeah. you showed everything you needed to show that you deserve to be there. Uh, and I, I could have shown up and it would have been probably fine. But anyways, my brother's taking me to my friend's house for that weekend. I'm just yeah. going to go hang out with them. And we literally turn on my friend's street and my new smartphone like buzzes. And it's an email from the organizers. They say, hey, somebody canceled. Like we had some people ahead of you on the waiting list. But because you pestered us so much, you can have the spot <laughs> if you want it. I'm like, Brett, turn the car around. And we got down. We, we got from Marietta to Atlanta. We should have taken us about 40 minutes and about 20 minutes. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I got down. And, um, you know, my original idea was just to meet people mm-hmm. and, and you know, hopefully find someone to help me out. But I got there. I was like, well, heck, you know, I've, I've done all this work for it. I got all the way down here. I might as well pitch my idea. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. It was like, the, you know, I was voted the top idea in that first round of voting. And that's when I was kind of like, oh, shit. Like, this is really yeah, there's happen. something here, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was and that was how I met the founding team is that weekend. I mean, we built it, um, you know, Friday through Sunday. We ended up winning the event. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next day was kind of, you know, we had 12 people on the team. It was like figuring out, all right, who, who do we want to keep, calling them up, you know, negotiating kind of mm-hmm. what the equity and all that would be. And then as part of winning it, we got an entry into Startup Riot. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was like two and a half weeks later. Mm-hmm. And we really wanted to win Startup Riot. But like we were, we'd been alive as a company for like three days there were going to be 50 companies there. Um, but for the next two and a half weeks, I mean, we didn't sleep like almost literally and uh, preparing for that. And, uh, you know, we show up at startup riot two and a half weeks later and we did, you know, we did a lot of things right in terms of, um, you know, giving ourselves a good chance to win it. And, and sure enough, at the end of the day, you know, they get up there to announce it and they announce number three, number two. And it's like, Oh shit, it's either win or nothing. And then, Tripling go, yeah. Wow. We, were, we were very excited about that. But that was kind of, you know, that the little bit of momentum early on, you know, helped keep things moving. Um, the, year, the year on that, one, when was that again? That was 2011. Wow. So 2009, you domain, right? Register the domain. 2011, you're all of a sudden getting a team put together. You've got prototypes. You've got, you know, community, uh, you know, affirmations from Startup Weekend, Startup Riot. Now, that that's four years now right four years yeah. and it's been it has it's it isn't all uh, roses and, and sunshine uh, on that that startup grind is it i don't know anyone that, that that knows about it that would say that at all you know it's it's um crazy roller coaster ride i mean we've had you know the pits of despair i've visited them often um you know and it, it, now it's finally kind of the winds at our backs and it's getting easier but it, it has been such a crazy roller coaster ride. You guys, you guys kind of came out as almost as a consumer product to begin with, right? Just yeah. like individuals, app store, and then you had a you know, learn a language package. Um, and then, then all of a sudden this white label idea came up, right? It's like companies, it, it make it sound like it just happened, but what was that process like going from consumer driven to now it's a business solution? You know, I, and the, I, was, I enjoy looking back at kind of the original plan I put together. And the idea was eventually to be able to sell it to companies to partner with channels that have access to travelers. But, you know, when we first released the the first product, um, 
you know, it wasn't anywhere near what it needed to be. I mean, we knew that it, it was only in five languages, only on iPhone. Um, it wasn't clear who we would sell it to, the mechanics of that. I mean, all that was kind of a mystery to us. And so, yeah, we started out really as just a consumer facing language focused product. Um, and we, you know, one, we had to build towards the V2 capabilities, like things that we knew needed to be in there that, you know, we didn't get in the first version, like, you know, instantly translating your voice, for instance, or the ability to manage users in the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of got us to a point where right, we can start talking to um, some of these channels, start exploring kind of the business space, but we really kind of stayed away from that. We thought we could work through, you know, the Expedia's of the world to get us the volume that we needed to make money. Um but yeah, I mean, it kind of became clear that, you know, it's hard to make money on the app store just being an app just mm-hmm. out there. And we knew that originally. It's like you can't just make an app and expect people to find it. you got to be able to market it somehow. Um, but yeah, one of the ideas was to, to white label it and let a brand put their name on it, provide it to their customers. And uh, so Celebrity Cruise Lines became our first kind of real customer. And uh, yeah, so we built Cruise Lingo for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, during that time, I also started to get involved a little bit in the corporate travel space to see, you know, what what are the pain points of the people that pay for stuff here? Like, what is this industry like? Like, who do we need to work with to make things happen? And, um, you know, really over a couple of month period and like late 2012, it kind of became apparent that like there might be an opportunity there. Mm. So uh, most of 2013 was spent like, you know, going to all the conferences, like working hard to um, understand the pain points. So things like cost savings matter for corporate travel programs. Uh, We didn't know that. Uh, Traveler safety is like a big issue. Um, So, you know, these were like ideas that we ended up, you know, finding ways to enhance the product to address that. So, for instance, um, being able to call local 911 or your local, you know, your company's security program, uh, building in like medical and allergy phrases that kind of supported the safety aspect. Um, but also some cost saving tools that, you know, like, uh, you can make free international phone calls using the app, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a very iterative and kind of long process. I mean, I've, you know, if I'd have been in the corporate travel industry before, right, I could have skipped two years of all this (laughs) painful searching. Um, but yeah, I mean, it took kind of that long to really once, even once we identify the needs, like figure out how we're going to deal with it, and then build the architecture around selling it to, to corporations. And then, um, you know, I mean, the other thing that that I don't didn't anticipate really was how long the sales cycle is in corporate mm-hmm. travel. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and this is common to any company that sells to, to enterprises in the corporate travel space. Is your lead times can be a year, mm-hmm. year and a half, which is a long time. Oh yeah, especially when you get a team of four or five guys working with you, right? It's expensive. Yeah. You know, 40 grand a month out the door. Mm -hmm. Boom, 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 Mm -hmm. boom. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it took us a while to kind of get our hands around it and actually build it and and then get it out there in the marketplace. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, and it wasn't something where we could go in a black box and like come out with the right ideas. We had to like interact with the people that would be selling it. Yeah, you had to bleed for a while and and stub your toe and all that stuff. So you are, you guys located at uh, 151 Locust out in Avondale State. Is that right? No. no? Where where were you guys before? Uh, We were in the Highlands. Oh, that's right. You were in the Highlands and then you moved into the Hippopotamus in the early days of Hippopotamus. Yep. And then you you migrated upstairs. You're still upstairs in the Biltmore? Yep. Wow. Um, Is it the Coop or the Co-op? I always forget. I I don't know. I never... I don't know what to call it. <laughs> the top floor. Yeah, <laughs> just call that's it the why top. I say the penthouse. Just come to the penthouse, the top floor. 
But um, and then I know uh, on a personal level, you just uh, joined the the Global Shapers program. Is that correct? The what is that yeah. something you're doing? And what uh, is yeah. that? You know, it's just kind of like a it's kind of underneath the umbrella of the World Economic Forum. Um, the goal is really just to connect, you know, social entrepreneurs, people in government, um, you know, business entrepreneurs, and uh, you know, put a network together mm-hmm. with the goal of uh, completing projects for the city to, mm-hmm. to drive it forward. So yeah, this is something Mayor Reed's kind of uh, been shepherding through, right? And yeah, he's got... been involved with it. Um, I'm new. I'm still kind of figuring mm-hmm. out the ropes. But, You're the newbie. Uh, yeah. Noobs. Yeah. It's, it's good though. It's really, really sharp people. Um, good mix. And uh, yeah. So focus, know. kind of focus on the 20 something young up and coming kind of people from different parts of Atlanta. Yeah. You know, and it's, you, you know, you're, when you got your head down so much trying to build a company, right? You, yeah, I'm a civic-minded person, but you kind of forget about that because you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're buried. And so it's been nice to kind of reactivate a little bit of that part of my brain, thinking about not just, you know, how can I build a successful company and make the people around me and, and the industry better, but also, you know, going back to Atlanta and what what can be done to improve the city here. Um, so it's been it's been fun. That's good. Well, glad to have you on the show, and really enjoyed. I know you and I have talked a lot, but. This is some new stuff for me on, on this conversation. I hope that everyone else was listening and enjoyed it as much as I did. How do people go about finding about where you are and Triplingo is if they're trying to learn more about you like on Twitter or uh, websites? Yeah, we're at Triplingo, triplingo.com. You can, you can call myself, 404-333-8355. <laughs> um, I'm onwardly on Twitter, and we're not that hard to find. Um, Excellent. So uh, make sure you, if you're needing to collect calls, uh, just call Jesse. That's right. <laughs> well, again, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks for being on the show, Jesse. I really enjoyed having you here. Absolutely. TechSquare ATL is a media studio connecting you to the heart of Atlanta's tech community. Copyright Sandbox Communities, LLC.